With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Out of the Blue from Amazing Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, a podcast that will never enter the transfer portal and abandon you for the West Coast. I am Jared Stormer of AmazingBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of AmazingBrew.com. Andy, you Auburn demigod of the South. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I've not yet you know, dabbled in the transfer portal myself, staying put here. I'd miss you too much if I left. Know what I mean? I couldn't just leave you and go join some USC podcast. And we would miss you, my friend, and your loyalty is not something that will be forgotten. It's uh, that's why you're number one. And speaking of number one, maybe not in the draft, but in our hearts, I think I need to clear out for two minutes to start this podcast. Is that allowed? Go ISO, man. It's all you. Don't even need a pick. I'm going ISO. I'm going Rusillo cold open here because we talk about Aiden Hutchinson quite a bit on this podcast, but somehow it's not enough when you talk about the actual contributions to Michigan, both the state of and the program, and just a lot of the lives of fans in the great state and some of us that have moved on to other states. No single person that we've never met maybe has a more in, a greater impact on our life. He's a legacy commit, a hometown kid. We all know that. We know what his dad there did there at Michigan. He's got more rings than he does fingers, or at least he's got five of them. I don't know how many fingers he has, but he's a surgeon. He's probably doing all right on that front. There's been a lot of legacy guys. Jared and Jack Wangler came through, sons of John Wangler. Tyrone Wheatley Jr. was there for a cup of coffee. Aiden Hutchinson came in, one of the premier recruits in the country, coming out of Divine Child High School in Dearborn. 
productive in his first two seasons, kind of shows you that flash, exactly what you want to see out of a four-star recruit. Comes off as affable, likable, relatable, despite the fact that he comes from a family of pure greatness, Kryptonians that are all chiseled out of granite. Endeared himself to the fans in those early years, slowly rising in the rankings of Michigan fan favorites. 2020 is meant to be the season that he dominates. COVID and an injury derail that season for him, simultaneously derailing the Wolverine season. He could have gone pro after that year. Going along with Quiddy Pay, he would have been drafted for sure, probably not at number two overall, but he had unfinished business. He came out and said as much. He said he wanted to beat Ohio State. He wanted to win a Big Ten championship. He wanted to play for a national championship, and he manifested it, all of it, and more of it. So much so that what he manifested filled the inside of his draft day jacket, despite the fact that it was written in 12-point font, and he is a large man. That's a lot of canvas to fill with 12-point Helvetica. But he did it, and he manifested it all. Does that make him the most powerful being on the planet? Is it because of him that COVID finally relaxed enough that we could even have football games? I mean, he did say he was going to happen, and he everything he has said is going to happen has happened. So I don't know if it's Hutchinson, but it's definitely more Hutchinson and Dolly Parton than it is any conglomeration of pharmaceutical companies. So thank you, Aiden Hutchinson, for ending COVID. So the man that predicted everything said he wanted to stay home and play for the Lions, bring them back to relevancy. And lo and behold, here we are. So now this Detroit demigod is going to attempt to rescue a franchise so accursed, so historically incapable that they haven't won a playoff game since Pauly Shore was popular. Children born the last time the Lions won a playoff game are now in their 30s. The Browns, Jets, Texans, Jaguars have all won a playoff game more recently. Beating a very good Ohio State team at home was a legendary effort. To fix the Lions, it's going to take a Herculean effort. And I, for one, learned long ago to, to suspend any disbelief when it comes to this guy. So whatever he says the Lions are going to be during this stretch, I'm just going to believe it. Aiden Hutchinson is here to save the Lions franchise. That's all I got to say. That was beautiful. Wow. wow. I am awestruck. At that. I, want to, I want to just take that speech and put it in the 12-point Helvetica and put it in my suit if I wore suits all the time. I would wear that around. That was uh, brilliant, but no, very well said, my friend. That is excellent. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Aiden Hutchinson was the most important player to Michigan this century. In the 21st century, Aiden Hutchinson was that important to the program and what he did, and if he can lead that kind of revolution at the NCAA ranks, who am I to say he can't do it at the NFL ranks? It would be stupid to disbelieve at this point. I really think that anything he says is going to come true is going to come true. And there is no cursed franchise that is cursed enough to be more powerful than him. I, I fully believe in that. Uh, the most important Michigan player of the century. Where is he at your favorite players currently? Is he top two, right? Of all time, we're saying. Of all time, yeah, Hutch is. I need, <clears throat> excuse me, I need to sit down and do it again. I've always had such a soft spot, as you know, for Jabril Peppers because the time of my life personally, really like, like to a reawakening my fandom in that 2016 season and everything else there is more of the modern ones. Denard's obviously a name that gave you the excitement in the 2011 season, although, you know, at times he could struggle to throw the ball accurately past eight yards. So I, I need to sit down and do it, but Hutch is in a shoe-in for top three for me. He, it, this season meant a lot to me personally, and Hutchinson was the catalyst for all of it. I'd also have to go back and really put some work in, but as of right now, I feel pretty confident it's Charles Woodson one, Aiden Hutchinson two, and then a bit of a gap for three. So he's definitely top two for me. The only one he's competing with is the guy that got me into Michigan football in the first place, Charles mm -hmm. Woodson. So 
the most important Michigan Wolverine in a long time. I think we can all agree upon that. And he goes where we said we wanted him to go. One of the best, just the, the guy to the team fits, culture to player fits that you're ever going to see. Hutchinson goes number two in the draft. What are your thoughts about this from a football perspective and from a fan perspective? I think it's great. It's perfect. He and Dan Campbell are a dream match. The Lions actually got in trouble for turning in their draft cards too quickly. I think they crushed this draft, especially with their first three picks they made of Hutch, Jamison Williams, and then Josh Pascal, a player I love out of Kentucky. So they're getting these good edge guys, but are also complimentary. They don't do the same things well. They kind of like very fill each other's voids and like very just compatible as a pass rushing duo. And they have Michael Brockers there to mentor him, the oldest player on the team at a staggering 31 years of age, the oldest player on the Lions. So I like what they're doing by getting youthful, reinventing this thing. And the rebuild has just been in tremendous hands since this thing began. If you like a short, a year ago. Yeah. A year ago. Yeah, last year was the first year of the Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell era, and uh, it was pretty moribund when you looked at that roster. And in just two drafts and in one short year's time, they've completely overhauled that that roster. It looks a lot better. Aiden Hutchinson's going to come in and kind of be expected to be the bell cow on that defensive line. From a football standpoint, whether you're running a 3-4 or a 4-3, I think there'll be a lot of 4-3. Um, I, I didn't watch a ton of Lions last year. It was a, it was a rough product to watch. I am now going to be rewatching Lions again. I'll be watching, rewatching. I'll be consuming all the podcasts. Like, so from a fan standpoint, this could not be better. And there's going to be a lot of Michigan fans that are drawn back to the Detroit Lions because of this. I am one of them. Um, there are obviously Michigan State fans. Maybe don't feel that way. But the football side of it also, like you said, is just a tremendous fit. They needed an edge rusher. They've got some guys there that, uh, you know, that are decent edge rushers. You know, I, I like Charles Harris. I like the Oquaras, but this dude is just a different level. So what do you think are some reasonable expectations for his first year? Do you see him as maybe a uh, defensive rookie of the year candidate or should we maybe temper the expectations for his first year? I absolutely think he's a candidate for it. I mean, just saying that doesn't mean he has to win it, but I think he'll compete, and if he struggles, it's expected of a rookie. But what I'll say the easy way to measure Aiden Hutchinson's impact to the city specifically is that when you go to Lions games, what what modern present-day player jerseys do you see in the stands? You, you Jared Goff? Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, maybe a few. No, you see Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson, a ton of Barry Sanders. But now you're going to see a lot of Aiden Hutchinson, more than Matt Stafford possibly. So that's just a signal that this rebuild has really taken over and has strength. And that's how important Hutch is to this team, this city, and this franchise. Remember a couple of years ago when James Conner, the great running back out of Pittsburgh, uh, the guy that beat cancer and ended up getting drafted by the Steelers, when he went to the Steelers, just how quickly they were to embrace that dude. Like he was at one point the number one selling jersey of, of all the rookies like early on, and he was taken in like the third or the fourth round. I don't know exactly. Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh goes there this year. Expect a similar response to what you just described with Hutchinson. I fully expect that to be the case. You're going to see a lot of, hopefully it's 97. I hope he keeps that number 97. That looks clean um, on a dude with a, a body that's as wide as like a double stacked uh, appliance. I, I think you need that, that double number, the nine, seven on there. And I think you're going to see a lot of that in, in the, in the Honolulu blue, it's going to look good. And 
I think you're absolutely right. This dude's going to sell a ton of jerseys. And and I think so, too. I think he'll be right there from the football perspective. I could see nine, ten sacks this first season. Why not? He's healthy. That motor is relentless. Um, the NFC North outside of the Packers isn't really that daunting. Yeah, why not? I like it. He'll be at least in the running for Defensive Rookie of the Year. And now you're going to have some you know, possible matchups of Aiden Hutchinson going against John Runyon Jr., <laughs> yes, we absolutely will get to watch that, which is delightful. Um, yeah, speaking of Michigan players on other teams, uh, anything else on Hutchinson we, before we move on to some of these other guys? No, we spoke about it ad nauseum on several different podcasts, and we'll probably continue to do so in future podcasts. So we'll give you some reprieve for now. For now, yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say is I do think the Jets end up regretting that that first-round pick, but uh, happy they made that mistake so that we could capitalize. I, I say we now because I'm officially a Detroit Lions fan again. It's uh, It was inevitable. Um, all right, let's move on. So obviously, uh, Hutch at the top, he immaculate fit, by the way, before we do move on. We have to talk about the fit. I mentioned it in the cold open there. Uh, how, how dope was that suit? Oh, that's, I mean, come on. Like, with, I didn't, before I even knew, like, he had all of his affirmations, like, transcribed inside of it. I love the all black look. It's very fitting. And a lot of times, fashion is not what you wear, but how you wear it. And the kid knows what he is. And the outfit was perfect with it. I mean, A plus. Yeah, looking like the Grim Reaper out there. It totally worked for me. I was all about it. Uh, next Wolverine off the board, also in the first round, was Dax Hill going 31st to Cincinnati. So I love that Hutchinson pick. It's one of my all-time favorite draft picks. This isn't far behind it. Dax Hill to Cincinnati is a ton of fun. What are your thoughts on that pairing? Oh, it couldn't be better. Hit, pairing him up with Jesse Bates uh, in that secondary is awesome because it makes him even more versatile, even faster the minute he gets there because he can play nickel corner, he can play safety and make tackles, he can blitz off the edge. He does a lot for a really creative defensive coordinator. And you saw what they could do last year when they were stopping Patrick Mahomes, only rushing three and dropping eight. So having that Dax Hill, this chess piece that you can move around and pairing with a, a physical bigger safety, I mean – I honestly like the fit more than I do with Hutch to the Lions just because of where that team was last year and who their coaches are, and they're proven. As far as like a football fit, yeah, this is tremendous, and he's going to win a lot of games. It could still be a few years before the Lions are back to being playoff contenders. Granted, they're in the NFC, and Cincinnati is in the absolutely loaded AFC, but going to the Super Bowl runner-up Cincinnati Bengals, that's outstanding. Um, they're going to use him in a ton of different ways, as you just alluded to. I can't wait to see the ways that they line him up. Like I fully predict him to be a better NFL player than he was college player stats-wise. I also think he'll be a better NFL player than Jabril Peppers was stats wise. I think that this is the kind of dude that comes in and is going to have like a Jamal Adams like impact early Jamal Adams for the for the Jets there. And it's a great fit. And the fact that he's in Cincinnati and like he's going to get playoff experience this year. I mean, I know the AFC is loaded, but I would expect Dax Hill to start playing in and winning playoff games as soon as this year. So good for him. Super exciting fit. I would say my second favorite player to team fit. But there's some good ones this year. 
Yeah, that one was really outstanding for me, and uh, we'll keep on going to some of the Wolverines that were drafted. And speaking of like a good fit, it wasn't Buffalo where we wanted Hassan Haskins, like how we, you and I talked last week, but going to Tennessee feels pretty close to that because this is a team that's going to utilize his strengths, run him behind Derrick Henry, help keep Henry fresh for the playoffs because his season ended last year prematurely due to an injury. But now that you have Hassan Haskins, a durable running back that doesn't fumble the ball and is excellent in pass protection. Haskins is going to get a lot of run here from Mike Vrabel. And despite Vrabel being a Buckeye, he saw the value Haskins brings to the team from what Haskins did to his for his alma mater. So I love the fit in Tennessee and I love that he's going to get a chance to do what he does best. To quote Taylor Lewan, he watched Hassan Haskins donkey punch his alma mater and still had the had the wherewithal to draft Hassan Haskins in this. So props to Mike Vrabel. He knows that if you can't beat him, you can't stop him, draft him. That was pretty wise. And I know we ended up switching it to the Bills, but there was a podcast early on when we were talking about Hassan Haskins. And we mentioned the imagine him spelling Derrick Henry as like just like a little bit less intense Derrick Henry. I know we mentioned that and it was kind of maybe you know, looked upon with, you know, you squint your eyes and you you wrinkle up your nose a little bit at that because it's Derrick Henry. But for somebody to come in and spell Henry, you know, so that he's not taking that wear and tear, you want to talk about a perfect fit. This is absolutely amazing. And out in San Francisco, they've got the yards after catch yak monsters. This is going to be the yards after contact yak monsters with uh with Hassan Haskins with Derrick Henry and with Traylon Burks who's also super physical that they drafted so Tennessee is going to be a lot of fun to watch too in once again a loaded loaded AFC um you did skip past though David Ojabo was drafted before Hassan Haskins in the second to Baltimore which is another great fit so I wanted to talk about that pick there there's a lot to break down there and I think I actually like the Ojabo to Baltimore fit maybe even a little more than that Haskins to Tennessee fit I don't think I like it as much, but it's still, it's great. He's, I mean, he's paired up with Mike McDonald. Like, who knows him better? Who got David Ojabo to succeed at Michigan? It was Mike McDonald. I mean, uh, Don Brown was having Ben Van Summeren run more snaps than uh, Ojabo when he was there. So it was McDonald that really unlocked him at that level. And I think he'll do it again once he's healthy in the NFL. I think it's great fit. Um, he's also lining up on the line next to Adafe Owe, formerly Jason Owe of Penn State, who had a great year last year, who played with David Ojabo in high school, I believe, and are very similar players. I mean, in both in their background and in the way they play speed edge rusher guys. Um, Ojabo, as we mentioned many times before in some other podcasts, is not quite ready to be an every down defensive end. He needs time, especially against the run, and he's also not going to be fully healthy. Um, he could be healthy come training camp with the timeline on that. Um, we don't know yet. He's probably going to take his time. Baltimore is going to be wise with it and make sure that they take their time to get him back. But then even then, I wouldn't expect him to have like a crazy, crazy impact this first year. Bit of a project, but like what you're getting in the second round as far as value, Baltimore does it year in and year out with with their ability to evaluate talent and get good value in the draft. Well, the fact that Ojabo was a top 15, top 12, top 10 draft pick pretty much unanimously wherever you looked, I mean, just bodes well to the value the Ravens got here in the second round with taking him. So why not? You can get a fringe guy there. So no, excellent pick by them. They can let him wait, not force him back. The Ravens are a perennial good team. They're, I mean, 
got got Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Lindemann, arguably two best players at their positions in the draft early on. So they know what they're doing. They're a great coaching staff that knows his strengths and better yet knows his weaknesses. So no, it's a good fit for him to sit and kind of cultivate until he gets back up to full strength. I'm with you, man. And they also like drafted some other beasts on defense too this year. They got uh, they got our boy from uh, Notre Dame, who's uh, who's going to be a problem, Hamilton. So yeah, I mean they've got guys already there. They don't need to play him. Like this is a really well established team. It's a well run franchise. So um, and you know just the Harbaugh to Harbaugh thing, the McDonald thing, the playing with the former high school teammate, just a cool fit. Um, so I've got it. I've got it a little bit above uh, Hassan Haskins to Tennessee as far as my favorite. Uh, and then the last one that was drafted was Andrew Stuber to New England in the seventh round. Once again, yet another Wolverine going to the Patriots, and it's going to force me to tune into more Patriots games than I want to. But Anwenu and Stuber on the same line, like that's I like the sound of that. That could be cool. Yeah, this is awesome. And I mean, again, the Patriots here are getting, I mean, finally getting some value because they didn't do it early on, but they drafted Mike Onwenu a few years ago in the sixth round. So when Stuber was falling, I bet they were just sitting there like, you know, licking their chops like, awesome. Another lineman we can plug and play that's even more versatile than Onwenu can play inside or outside at this level. So no, a great pick by them. It's going to be with a great franchise that knows offensive line play. So, I mean, again, I'm with you, though. It sucks having to root for the Patriots. Not even to root for, just watch them more frequently than we want. But good for Andrew Stuber, man. He deserved it. He's really come a long way in his career, overcoming some injuries there. And I think he has what it takes to stick, especially as like a rotational guard in the NFL. He definitely deserved to be drafted. Deserved to be drafted above the seventh round, too, which we'll talk about in the back half of this podcast. Uh, Got to scold Steven Ross and the Miami Dolphins a little bit for not taking Stuber in the sixth or seventh there. Uh, when you passed on him, you have all these late-round picks. You're a Michigan guy. You need tackle and guard help. Stuber can play a little bit of both. Uh, Stuber on the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line for the best offensive line in the country and and you let him pass so got to scold Steven Ross a little bit for that I'm sure the multi-billionaire 84 year old owner of the Dolphins is listening and, and is going to take this to heart but you know I, I'm sorry Steven I call him like I see him Steven Ross is used to being scolded at this point in his life come on the man's done a few you know questionable things I'm sure of it but passing Andrew Stuber I'm putting right up there with the, like, the most despicable of all of it yeah, I mean, this guy was coming up in the 70s and 80s. I'm sure that there's like some hooker bones out and buried in his backyard or something. But this was pretty egregious, too. <laughs> yeah, man, it's 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 rough, but good for Stuber. Like a more stable organization and not as much influx as the Dolphins right now. I'm sure your stepdad's a little upset they passed on him there, but he's going to be a good Patriot. I'm, I have no doubt about that. Yeah, and uh, they do well when they draft corners and offensive linemen. Say what you will about the rest of their draft picks. but So definitely hoping for the best for Stuber. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to hit the undrafted free agents. Uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite pairings, which guys we think are going to stick. And then we got to talk some basketball because uh, for late April, early May, it's been a little bit wild, a lot to cover. We'll talk about that and more when we get back right after this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. I am Jared at JStorm303. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that is Andy at UMAndrewB. If you want to follow us on Twitter there, like I said, uh, this is out of the blue. First half, we were talking about the Aiden Hutchinson, some of the the guys that were drafted, but there were a lot of guys that went undrafted. Some of them surprisingly, others not as surprisingly. So let's get into the undrafted guys that signed here. And let's start with Chris Hinton signed with the New York Giants. I'm going to say this one of all the guys that were not drafted, the most surprising for me. What do you think? I'm with you there. It was really weird because Hinton must have gotten some good feedback when he entered the process because everyone thought he was coming back. So I have to assume it was financially motivated for maybe his family or himself. But yeah, very surprising. He didn't even get selected with a flyer in the fifth or sixth or like Stuber in the seventh round. But with the Giants, I believe they have Dexter Lawrence coming up for contract. I don't know if they're going to resign him. So he could find his way onto a roster there. He's joined by a fellow one-year Wolverine and Dalen Baldwin, also going to try to make the team. But uh, with Hinton's skill set being the five-star coming out, really taking a step this past season, I do like his prospects as an undrafted free agent to make the roster in some capacity. I'm with you. Super surprising because you mentioned the five star uh, pedigree. Usually these guys that are super high rated, if they have somewhat productive college careers, they're usually getting taken. Uh, remember Doriel Green Beckham from a u- few years ago, you know, really high pedigree, didn't do much in college, still got drafted. Chris Hinton was part of a Big Ten championship winning team, part of the most improved defense in the nation. He was a big part of that. Now, his statistics didn't really pop off the screen. He wasn't constantly in the backfield, but this is a 6'5", 6'6", guy, lean, very fit, obviously intelligent, um, can be a rotational guy for you, but has a high ceiling. So the the high ceiling is what really gets me here with him going undrafted. And, And I agree with you. I think he'll have a chance to stick with the Giants or somewhere. Yeah, I don't know if they're just holding his hairline against him or what, but he she should have made this team. He has all the other physical traits, so I hope to see him battle it out there. Like I said, he's with Dalen Baldwin. But uh, to get to another Michigan player that was an undrafted free agent whom I love his positioning is Josh Ross to Baltimore. For all the same reasons we talked about with uh, David Ojabo, Harbaugh to Harbaugh connection, Mike McDonald again, I think he has a great chance here because, again, McDonald knows the strengths, more importantly knows the weaknesses, and even if he can't make the defense, there's a good chance he could find a special teams role here where he thrived at Michigan at times. 
Yeah, once again, you've got the uh, Michigan to Baltimore connection, and and Ross played under Harbaugh for four years there, five years there. So, I mean, they go back further than Chris Hinton's hairline. So I I really think that that's a a great pairing there. And, you know, once again, just like keeping guys in the system. Now, Ross, not the most dynamic guy, can't really do too much in coverage, not the fastest guy either, but a rotational linebacker potentially – Potentially. Now, this one, I think, is a little bit more of a stretch than Hinton to the Giants sticking. But uh, I do like the pairing, like you mentioned. Yeah, most importantly, he brings leadership and just an, an adult presence in the room there. So I really like the fit there. And an, another fit here will continue on with the undrafted free agents is Brad Hawkins to the Falcons. I've liked Brad Hawkins more than almost anybody here because I believe he's going to be an excellent special teams player at the next level. I don't know about his safety prospects, but I guarantee you Brad Hawkins is going to find a role in special teams somewhere and have an impact. This is my second most surprising that he wasn't drafted. Brad Hawkins, once again, part of the one of the better defenses in the country last year. He played all four years at Michigan to some capacity, was a stalwart for us on the back end. A smart player, not an overly athletic player, but in the right position. Um, one of the best guys at stripping the ball out of the uh, ball carrier's hands that we had. So... A little surprised he didn't. No one took him on a flyer. It's not like he's undersized either. He's six foot. So I like him going to the Falcons. This was the second most surprising one for me that he wasn't drafted, but really hoping for him. And uh, yeah, Falcons have a rough, rough roster. So, I mean, he has every chance in the world to make that one. Uh, Vincent Gray sticking with the uh, with the secondary goes to the Saints there, you know, stay within the division there. Saints also could use some help. Not the best roster in the world. Kind of thought maybe Vincent Gray might get drafted, too, to be honest. Yeah, I saw some mocks even have as high as a fourth round grade on him. So that was interesting. But now he's going to, I believe, Dennis Allen's the new head coach there, defensive minded guy. So it'll be a. Interesting to really watch how Vincent Gray shakes out here. I don't remember his work on special teams like I do Hawkins or Josh Ross. So I don't know if it'll just be strictly like trying to like make the team in a practice squad capacity if he can't make them like the active roster. So it'll be interesting to see how he fares here. But I mean, he's going to be able to learn from a good corner in Marshawn Lattimore. I, I don't know who's playing opposite him right now. So interesting fit for him to the Saints, but also he will have a chance though because the team's still trying to like kind of find their you know post Drew Brees identity, and now Sean Payton's gone. So maybe they'll do some different things as a team. So a guy to keep an eye on for sure down in New Orleans. Going to get to match up against Chris Olave again, who he had some matchups with against in November, although it was DJ Turner on him primarily. So, you know, it'll be interesting there. He's got uh, two primarily, uh, two primary wideouts that went to Ohio State. So I'm pulling for him there. Not as high on his chances to succeed because Vincent Gray, while he did have a better year last year, I think a lot of him having a better year was just the defense in general improving and uh, having one of the best pass rushes in the nation. So uh, other than that, we've got Dalen Baldwin to the Giants as well, and Donovan Jeter to Pittsburgh. Uh, What are your thoughts on either or both of those? Um, Both guys are going to struggle. It'll be an uphill battle for them to make the team. Obviously, we want the best for both of them, especially Jeter, who's been in our lives, it feels like, since you know the Reagan administration. So it'll be really nice to root him on there. He has uh, a friend there, which is nice. He has Chris Wormley, a former Wolverine, to play with, as well as Devin Bush, who is in a prove-it year. 
as his fifth-year option was just recently declined. So some former Wolverines to help guide him, understand the culture and how to fit in there. Cam Hayward to learn behind on the defensive line. So he'll have every opportunity there, but it's going to be such, such a steep battle for him. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, so of these guys here, best chance to stick in the league. What are you thinking? I'm I'm thinking uh, Hinton or or Brad Hawkins for me. Where are you going? I, I'm going that order. I'd go Hinton, Hawkins, and then Josh Ross third. Interesting. I don't quite see Ross, but I've, I've been wrong before. We were very wrong about uh, a few years ago, Ben Gideon. So that was a guy that I was wrong about. And and Ross has shown more than Gideon did at times throughout his college career. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for all these guys, but also like some of it's surprising. And then some guys that I haven't heard anything about. Andrew Vastardis, which is so weird to me that you've got Vastardis and Stuber going in this draft part of the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line for best offensive line in the country. One of the last texts that John Madden ever sent was about how this was one of the best offensive lines he's ever seen. And to only have Stuber going in the seventh and no Vastardis, just a little strange to me. So, like, what is it with these prospects? I mean, is it just that they're, like, uber not athletic? Like, the opposite of DK Metcalf? Like, what are we, what are we talking about with these guys? Why didn't they get a shot? It's very interesting because the paralysis by analysis phase of the NFL draft process always kicks in post the last game all the way up until the NFL draft. So a lot of that factors in about measurables, traits, how they're going to project at the next level, skill set, scheme, a bunch of different things. I think it's very silly that Stuber didn't go a little bit higher. Bastardus, I Maybe you see a flyer late, or honestly, maybe he didn't want to sign as an undrafted free agent. He has like very, very high medical prospects. He's been very successful in that field. I'm sure his medical coming into the draft process was very bad because from all indications in 2020, his back was in really bad shape. Nothing was confirmed, but a lot of players alluded to it, including Cade McNamara last year. So it's very interesting to see how it all works out. I mean, hell, maybe next year we're going to have three first-rounders and Zinter, Keegan, and Ryan Hayes, but we'll have more on that later. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a week off next week because, uh, well, I guess you're just going to go run more than Tom Cruise runs away from the fact that he's a homosexual. But yeah, you're, you're going to do some <laughs> like obvious, ridiculous, some obviously ridiculous run that's like 100 miles next week. So we're going to take next week off. But when we come back, we definitely want to talk about the 2023 potential because it's insane. Like, I, I really think the rest of our offensive lines going next year along with a ton of other guys. Yeah, there's a, a lot of talent. That's going to be a really fun podcast to get into. We wanted to talk about it a little bit tonight, but when you were setting up the doc and writing down names of potential people leaving, you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a whole podcast in and of itself, so we'll save that material. Yeah, it's a lot. Like, there's a lot of guys that could and should go next year. So, interested to get into that, but we will do that in two weeks. Uh, Got to take a moment here. Talk about our people over at Homefield Apparel. Been with them in the good times and the bad. Most recently, the good times. And I've got some shirts to celebrate it. They've got the old school and new school designs. I'm an old school guy because I'm getting up there in age. So, I like to go with the old Michigan designs. You got the old Wolverine on there with the sailor's cap. That's my favorite. Uh, with warmer weather, I can start switching from hoodie to T-shirt. And Homefield Apparel's got you covered no matter what your style. And you can get 20% off your first purchase when you go to homefieldapparel.com when you use MNB at checkout. 
All right. So uh, anything else we need to discuss on any final draft thoughts? We are going to talk a little bit, like we said, in two weeks about the 2023 draft. Any other thoughts on the guys, where they went? Any other fits you wanted (laughs) to mention that you really liked? Um, Maybe a guy that you think is going to be the most successful? Most successful is very interesting. I want to say Hutch, but I feel like the safer bet just because of the franchise and where they're positioned is Dax Hill and Cincinnati. Like, don't don't sleep on that pick. It's been an A-plus on every board I've seen. Tune into the Bengals if you haven't already. It's a fun team, and now the fact that he's going to learn almost trial by fire going up against T. Higgins and Jamar Chase every day. Like, iron sharpens iron there, so it's going to be really exciting to see the finished Dax Hill product here in a few years. I've got Dax Hill, maybe the most impactful guy in the sense that like this is a dude that's going to play in a lot of playoff games. I could see this dude making big plays in the playoffs for years to come. But I think Hutchinson's going to be like a 70 sack in his career or above kind of guy. And those dudes don't come around that often. So I think he'll have an impact on winning, on culture. And I think you'll see it in this in the uh, the career scoreboard. So I'm going to say I'll even up it. I say he's a career 80 sack plus guy. And, uh, you know, that's that's putting him in not rare air, but it's putting him among some of the better de- uh, defensive ends that have come through the league. So I'll go with Hutch, but I'm right there with you with Dax Hill being a super impactful pro. I love this. Honestly, no losers amongst the Wolverines that were drafted. All five of them landed in great situations for them, and I'm excited to see where they develop. Uh, any chance Haskins scores more than two touchdowns this year? Absolutely. I mean, with Henry's like, you know, recent injury last year, maybe they'll save him up the goal line. Maybe Haskins breaks one. I'm going over two, but under six. Yeah, I I was going to set it at like over under probably about three and a half or four for that. Uh, over under one and a half interceptions, Dax Hill. I am going to go slightly over. I'm going to go in that two to three range. I feel like that's safe. I mean, it's a pass. I mean, it's a passing league, so he's going to have a lot more opportunities than he did in college. And the way their defensive coordinator likes to utilize his defensive back, I think he'll be in position to make a few plays. I like the over there too. All right, last one: over or under seven and a half sacks? Uh, actually, let's go six and a half sacks for Aiden Hutchinson, because seven's a, still a pretty awesome rookie year. Yeah, I'm again. I'm gonna go over. I mean, oh my God, Andy's being optimistic again. That's crazy. But uh, no, I, I love I, I love the fit and I love what he's bringing to the table. And like we talked at the top, like I didn't doubt Aiden Hudson last year. I'm not gonna start now. Nope, hundred percent with you. All right, um, that was good. I enjoyed that. Um, we are switching to a lot of off-season content because after that, you know, everything is pretty non-directly related. So, if you have anything you want to hear us talk about this off-season, any questions you've got for us, if you want to come on the podcast, you got to have something like interesting to bring. We're not just going to let you come on the podcast and talk about your Beanie Baby collection cry for 25 minutes but if you got something interesting to say hit us up at out of the blue mnb at gmail.com we're going to start taking mailbag questions as soon as two weeks from now we do want to hear from you um you know as much as we rag on each other and rag on players and rag on ohio state michigan fan michigan state fans we're generally nice people so uh we'd like to hear from you like to hear what your questions are 
<laughs> we just enjoy a little ball busting, you know, just two guys shooting the breeze here. So we uh, had our boy on Logan Bristol one time. It was a great conversation. It's always fun to meet people that are listeners and like to get us involved. Like I would, you know, it's just fun just here to have a good casual conversation, throw some off the wall topics at you. Just be ready to think on your feet. That's what I'm saying. I mean, we had uh, just a little off-air conversation. We covered some ground. It went from Paul Thomas Anderson to Ruth Bader Ginsburg to Hitler. So, like, we we cover a lot in our conversations, just him and I. So, you got to be ready when you come on the pod. That's just the way it works. Um, all right. So, that was all uh, fun and good. That was all sunshine and roses. We got to talk about basketball, though, to close things out. Because I don't really know what's going on right now. Uh, we had a pretty basketball-heavy pod last week talking about how optimistic we were, the way that things were lining up. Now I don't know what to think. There's no Terrence Shannon coming. He's gone to Illinois. Instead, it's going to be Princeton transfer Jalen Llewellyn, who I am very excited about. Um, he was the fifth leading scorer in the Ivy League last year. Definitely a smart dude. He's 6'2", so bring some size. So that's exciting. But we lose Frankie Collins, a guy we were so in on, we had already established some nicknames. So what am I supposed to think about what's going on with the basketball team right now? How do you feel about swapping Frankie for Jalen Lewin? Firstly, I've lost my son. I need to just, you know, give me a moment here. Uh, losing Frankie Collins was devastating to me hearing his name in the portal. He could still opt back in, although unlikely it's still on the table at the moment. No, it hurts because he seemed to be the point guard of the future, his creativity, his dog on defense. I mean, I was screaming his praises from the moment he stepped on campus. So it seems premature. And I hope it's not just because Jalen Llewellyn's coming in, but the arrival of Llewellyn, which I'm going to just love saying that name all the time next year, is great. He brings a, a diverse defensive game, a proven score, creative, an already like decent, I mean, above decent, a three point shooter. I believe it's right around 38, 39%. And just an experienced guy, like you said, smart coming from Princeton. He's no dummy. So it's like coming from once going through admissions at Michigan is probably easy for him. But um, it's it's a weird time, man, because I think Frankie Collins is just a microcosm of what's going on at large about when players losing their spots, maybe upset about NIL or wanting to leave for a myriad of reasons. Like there's no more fighting for your spot. It's I'm going to take my ball and go home. And I hate to kind of be that person that's saying, oh, things used to be better. It's like things were just different. And that's what they are now as well. And I don't know if I like how different they're getting. Tremendous segment there. Um, a lot that you touched on, a lot to unpack there. Uh, let's start with Llewellyn. I'm also going to love saying that. Isn't that the name of the dude from No Country for Old Men? Like Llewellyn Moss? Isn't that the name? Absolutely. It is Josh Brolin. Perfect. So we've got that going. All right. So there's already some nickname combinations starting to form in my head there uh, with Jalen Llewellyn. But we were supposed to have Jalen Llewellyn and Frankie Collins. So when Llewellyn transferred in, my initial thought was cool. Now the whole backcourt is set. It's Collins and Llewellyn. You know, uh, Collins being just a, a hair under six foot, but Llewellyn being six two, it wouldn't be that dissimilar to what we were running this year with Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks. But apparently Collins saw it differently or he wants to go back home or uh, he just doesn't like competing for championships. I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, he's leaving after that elite eight run when the keys were ostensibly being handed to him. I don't quite get it. I don't want to sound like an old man yelling at a cloud, but there's no way you don't look at the transfer portal situation, both in college football and college basketball. And, and you can't help but think that this has gotten completely out of control. 
And like, I think it's great. I am all about giving agency to the player, giving agency to the student, giving agency to the kid. At the end of the day, these are young players that are just trying to do what's best for them. I'm 100% with you. But some of these 18, 19 year old kids, I know I didn't know what was best for me at 18, 19. And when you're transferring out because the grass is always greener on the other side, there are like 2,200 kids in football that are just stuck in the transfer portal. Like, so I don't know where Frankie Collins is going. And I, I don't know if he thinks that he's going to make a deeper run and get more playing time than he would at Michigan. But this dude was in line to be the starting point guard on a team with final four aspirations. Like, I don't understand it. It's weird. This one hurts more than like Kakoa Crawford and McDoom and Miles Spider Sims and Anthony Solomon combined because we already had a nickname for this dude. We were already mapping out his minutes for next year. I don't like it. I, I agree with what you're saying. We're going to sound like old people here, but like there is a point when this transfer stuff has just gone a little bit too far. And I think we're starting to get there, even though Michigan has benefited from the, the transfer portal as well as being hurt by it. Yes, this is the over overcorrection. That's what this is right now. And now it's time to like get rid of the over here. Like you have to find a way to bring this back in, get some, get a governor on the engine here because all of the pay for play stuff that's going around with players saying if they don't get more NIL, they're going to leave. Like it's just a very, it, this is the slippery slope. And you and I talked about this last year saying right now it's all good, but there's going to be a bad time. And that's where we're entering. And it's even scarier because we're, we're relying on the NCAA to regulate this thing, the NCAA to regulate something. So that's very scary. So I don't know what the solution is, but something needs to be something needs to be done. Otherwise, you're going to have players like starting five, changing teams every year, going in and out. And while it's like chaotic and fun, like in a video game sense, it's terrible for college basketball. It really is. And I think for college basketball, I don't know which one it's worse for because you're going to watch college football next year. And if you're a college football fanatic like we are, you're going to be like, I'm sorry, Jordan Addison. Like, what team is he on now? Is that Jackson Dart? Is that dude starting for Ole Miss? Like, you're going to recognize a lot of these guys because if you watch a lot of games, you know, you pick up these names, you store it back in the memory banks. And there is a ton of dudes. There was thirty four hundred people as of February that had entered the transfer portal. And there's just not that many openings, especially with COVID allowing players to stay for an extra year, but the scholarships haven't changed. So you've got a lot of people trying to move around where there's not spots to have them. And I don't think anyone's really communicating that to these kids, or maybe they are communicating it, but it comes off as disingenuous because you're like, of course, I don't want you to leave this team. And yeah, who would? Who would want these kids to leave this team? I mean, unless it's like, you know, we, we don't like the fit and he's he's cultural cancer or something like that. But mo for the most part, you want these kids to remain where they committed. And that's just not happening right now. And in basketball, I'm totally with you. How awesome is it that we could get Terrence Shannon, Llewellyn and Imani Bates? It's pretty awesome. But at the cost of losing these guys that were grown in home and that you're developing, I don't know what the right way to do this is. I don't know what the right answer is, but like right now it does seem to be like you said, overcorrecting. 
Well, just imagine several Wolverines like getting upset how things were early on, and just like, oh, we're leaving. Like JJ McCarthy, yeah, I'm I'm good on this, or Aiden Hutchinson leaving. Like you don't get a chance to like build relationships with these kids from a fan perspective and really root for them to finally make it over the hill. It feels so. That's why the Ohio State game this year felt so much better. Says guys, we've watched go through the process year in year out, do it together, and then finally overcome that. It felt so much more than having what feels like just mercenaries come in for one year and beat Ohio State. For every Joe Burrow, there's a Tate Martell, you know, for every Joe Burrow that transferred and had immense su- su- uh, success, excuse me, there's a Tate Martell who's transferred now three, four times, transferring again, may never start again. Quaveris Crouch transferred out of Michigan State from Tennessee, so he's going on to his third team in as many years. Like, I mean, that player is going to have zero legacy, where you think about the the legacy that Aiden Hutchinson built. Granted, Michigan is like the school for building legacies. We really care about that sort of thing. But Frankie Collins had a chance for that. Frankie Collins did. And obviously, we're really bummed about it. We're really hurt by this. But uh, from a basketball standpoint, what does this mean? And who do you see starting? How's the lineup going to shake out now that we just lost our starting point guard? So right now, I think our starting point guard is just, it's Llewellyn in the driver's seat. I have to think that's the case. It'd be the third straight year of a transfer starting point guard, so I don't see that trend breaking now. I think Jet Howard starts at the two coming in, maybe Kobe Bufkin to start things out this season. I think at the three, um, I I don't know at the three. I have to see the rest of the lineup shake out with who's going to go, if Musa and Caleb Houston are going to stay in the draft process or come back. But I think for the guards right now, those are the three guys to keep in mind, being Llewellyn, Kobe Bufkin, and Jet Howard. So three guys that don't have a lot of playing experience at Michigan, some that don't have experience playing at the highest level of college basketball, and some that don't have blank experience playing college basketball at all. So a lot of uncertainty in the backcourt next year, losing Frankie. Yeah. Jed Howard just got penciled in for a minimum of 12 minutes a game. Like that dude's going to have to come in and play. And we're going to, I love the talk about playing him at the two. Cause he's huge. He's big. Like this dude is like a, a big athletic dude. So Jed Howard coming in, that is exciting. Llewellyn taking the point. I think that he has a higher ceiling than Devonte Jones. Um, so I, I am excited about that. Um, I think he has a higher ceiling than Mike Smith. So we're good there still. I think he's a smart dude, obviously coming from Princeton. Um, Jed Howard at the two. I'm excited about that. Amani Bates is kind of the wild card here. He listed Michigan as one of his final schools. The other ones, I think, are like Seton Hall, Louisville. Um, I forget exactly who he said. Louisville, I think, would probably be in Seton Hall are the ones to to beat there. I don't know if Imani Bates could get into Michigan. I, I'm not sure. I'm not saying anything like you're not smart enough, Imani Bates, to get in there. Just we ran into this with Taryn Shannon. It's difficult to get the transfer process to work. Imani Bates would completely change the complexion of this team. I wouldn't get my hopes up for Imani Bates joining this team, though. And I also, if he does, um, I don't think he's going to be the player for Michigan just because of the way that they want to do things that you would imagine. I don't think he would be some sort of transcendent superstar putting up 30 a night on this Michigan team, even if he does come. And I don't think he's coming. Yeah, in order for Imani Bates to come to Michigan, firstly, either Moose or Caleb has to leave because it opens up a scholarship and a roster spot for him. And I'm with you. I think you'd have to fit in. It would be a little bit different. But you see like what Franz Wagner did and became a top 10 draft pick by playing within the system and getting his shot and averaging around 15 points a game. 
But man, how much fun would it be to have just another elite level guy like with the Trey Burke season coming back where you just know he's going to put up numbers. It's going to be, he's going to be the best guy on any court he steps on. And if Monty Bates, I think he has the talent and if he's willing to come in there and actually take coaching and be under like Jawan Howard and compete with Jet and these dogs there, I mean, that would be awesome to watch unfold because two years ago, Monty Bates was looked at as like, Everyone always has the cliche of Kevin Durant, but with the length and the way he like tries to play, you can see aspects of his game that are transferable to KD. Yeah, I don't know if he's uh, the kind of guy that would come in and accept a role like Franz Wagner, obviously being the best player on that team, but accepting a role within the system. Amani Bates kind of seems like he has that Tate Martell, Quiveris Crouch thing in him where he's like well even though I averaged 10 minutes and six points a game last year for a decent Memphis team like you didn't play me enough and my role wasn't what you said it was going to be I deserve more I don't know if it was that there's also some sanctioned stuff with Memphis so I don't know um, but I would have preferred Terrence Shannon I I know that was a guy that could have came in and fit within the role Imani Bates I just would worry that he would come in there and and be like no 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 like forget this Caleb Houston dude like I'm taking all the shots like I'm the star here I don't, I don't know I have no evidence of that um, but if Musa does go and he was invited to the NBA draft combine I would immediately be way more into that because the dude's 6'9 and, and moves like Brandon in- Ingram so yeah super appealing like to get an athlete like that. They were talking this guy's the next LeBron James a few years ago. So if you can get that guy, you get him. But from like a, a cultural schematic standpoint, I think Terrence Shannon and Llewellyn would have been a better and then bringing back our guys would have been the best version of this Michigan basketball team. But we can still roll out a super imposing basketball team next year with or without Amani Bates. Amani Bates is one hell of a consolation prize, though, if we lose Musa Diabate. Oof, bro, I'm telling you, it would be super exciting. And there's like a little bit of salt in the wound of Michigan State guys because he was initially committed to Michigan State. So anytime I can uh, open up a wound and pour in some Epsom salt into the Michigan State Spartans fan base, I will do so. I just can't imagine the Breslin Center atmosphere when Amani Bates steps on the court wearing a Mays jersey. Oh my goodness. I would, it would be a sight to behold and uh, we would definitely send some guys to the NBA next year, but this will be something to watch and something we'll be keeping an eye on. We should know what our starters are going to be here before too long. NBA draft lottery is in two weeks. So, um, you know, we'll know if these guys have gone or committed or whatever uh, within, I think two weeks, I think you need to make that determination by the lottery. I'm not too sure exactly when they need to make the determination with the new rules, but we should know soon and we'll be keeping an eye on it. The roster is not settled yet, so I'm fascinated to see, but regardless, it should still be a pretty awesome team. The fact that we're, uh, oh, Caleb Houston actually is coming back. We know that now. We do? Yeah, Caleb Houston is coming back. Oh, joyous news. Now it's just waiting on Musa. Yep, we're just waiting on Musa at this point. So, yeah, that is great to hear, and uh, I would imagine he'd come back, but like we've said in past podcasts, super intriguing player. Yeah, it's, I'm glad he is because it, he he needs the development. Hunter Dickinson was brilliant on a podcast last week that you and I were discussing off air about talking about you want to go to the NBA ready. You don't have to go there and keep developing. You want to be at that level ready to go instead of just sitting back and doing different things and 
it was just it was just very insightful to see like the maturation of his process. So now I'm excited this offseason because instead of just like diving into the muck sometimes of like you know odd football games and revisiting like 2013 Illinois versus Michigan football, it's we'll have to dive into some basketball as well as some hockey and like there's a lot of news because Michigan sports are not sleeping this year. No, certainly not. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun offseason. Like we said, uh, reach out to us via the mailbag or on Twitter. Let us know what you want to cover in this offseason. If not, we're going to come up with some absolutely off the wall stuff. Um, all right. So I misread this Sports Illustrator article. They need to really consider how they label this. It says uh, Caleb Houston has made his college or his pro decision, but his decision is to enter. Yeah. So it's what we already knew. We do not know for sure. Sports Illustrated got me there on that one. Just, I don't know who's writing their headlines. Hey, sometimes we all get got, my friend. So it happens to the best of us. Yep, happened to me on that one. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, thank you for stopping in. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter at Mason Brew, or you can follow your hosts on Twitter at JStorm303, at UMAndrewB. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.